get my wife to get through. <laughs> I, I, you, you may see it outside, so I've got to kind of explain it. I want you to know what happened. Uh, our, the front part of our van really, really messed up uh, because I ran into a refrigerator. <laughs> I'm not joking. Actually, what happened is we were uh, we had Claire's birthday party up here uh, yesterday. Not Claire, Mason's birthday party up here uh, yesterday, and we were getting ready for it. And Rachel said, "Benjamin, um, why don't you run home and grab some forks and cups so that we don't have to use the church's forks and cups? You know, because we're honest." <laughs> and we so, but what she should have said is, Benjamin, you're not capable of doing anything. Well. Stay here, I'll take care of it. What happened is I went home, um, put the van, pulled into the drive, just right up to the garage, ran in real fast to grab the stuff, and forgot to put it in the park. <laughs> now, what we learned from this is I'm really fast. I don't know how I didn't notice, but I just got out of the car, went in, and that thing, then boom! What happened? Walk, open the door, van. That has nothing to do with my sermon. It's just one of those things that as a preacher, you're going to have like 500 people ask you about. And you thought, I might as well tell everybody at once, so you can all make fun of me in unison. And I can go about the rest of my day. Uh, explaining it over and again. Uh, I, there's some ways I feel like this particular sermon, the one I'm about to preach, is about three, four, maybe five weeks too late. Uh, sometimes you feel that way. You feel like you, I, I plan out my sermons um, quite a bit in advance and um, have, have them structured the way I want them to go, and then and then life happens. And, uh, and so you, you preach about preach about um, a clear message, the gospel, that, that we want we want to not um, water down our particular message with, with all of our traditions, but more just have a clarity of Jesus. And then you talk about a, 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 a love that produces labor and a faith that produces works, and all the while, Paris is burning. Sometimes it feels like I'm skipping through the Bible with love and grace, and then all, all the while, death dances in the periphery. It feels like you just can't shake that brokenness that's on the outskirts of a mind. And sometimes we try to overcome that by distracting ourselves. Distracting ourselves with with our friends and our family and our Facebook and our phone. And trying to trying to make sure that I, if I could just get enough noise, if I could just get the radio loud enough, I won't have to think about the people who are suffering. I won't have to, and this, this is really a struggle for me on a regular basis. The, the, the hungry, the, the um, those who are oppressed. Those who are hurting, those who are sad, there's just too many to handle. Last week, in my home congregation, the Queen, just 40 minutes away from here, 
We buried a 16-year-old. And you, you look at life and you think, what, what's happening? And a lot of times, we feel like the, the writer of Psalm 10, we say, where are you, God? Why are you so far away when we call you? What, what's happening here? Who's in charge? And there's this sadness in me that I can't, that when you look at the brokenness of the world, it's, it's hard to think about when I'm having a dance party with my kids. But it's there. And every once in a while, there's something that happens, whether it's parents or whether it's a sibling, a parent, a child dying, whether it's a disease that just, just won't let go. There's something that happens that makes us have to look up from our distractions, look up from our, um, our fun, look up from our prosperity and stare death straight in the face. At that moment, there's this just there's this shudder of this is real, and the thing that I'm pretending doesn't exist will conquer me too. There is a brokenness that we can't beat, and there there is a, a lot of us are just. Trying to fight, find how to grab onto something that will take us through. But there's a sadness sometimes that cannot be overcome. And, and we're, just, we're just, just trying to build pieces of something that will comfort us. And that can be tricky. Because sometimes it's hard to just even keep going. Have any of you been there? Maybe, maybe I just need to talk to the people who are grieving right now. Like, just in the depths of grief right now. You feel like you just can't go today. I remember when my grandfather passed away. That's something that grandfathers do eventually. But it was the first real loss of my life. And I was really... I was 24, 25 when it happened. First serious, hard-hitting loss of my life. And I was left. And I remember when, um, when he died. Uh, we were, I had just preached. My, uh, at, at, I was preaching down around Waco. I just preached a sermon. Um, and he was, he was close. So we were going to drive four hours up to Texarkana. And I remember thinking, um, while we were driving, um, well, after we found out he had died, I remember watching the cars, the people in the cars passing, that I, that I passed, and just people walking along um, the sidewalks. I, it turns out I probably should be focused on driving, you know, it turns out I'm not that good at that either. But I was watching these other people, and I remember thinking, they don't know. Like, their days just go. And this day is going to go by, and it's, gonna, it's just going to pass me by, but I, 
I, I don't think I can, I don't think I can do it. But here it comes anyway. Have you ever had that feeling where I don't think I can live this day, but the day comes anyway? I don't think I can endure. Over the last several weeks, we have been discussing the things that make a Christian unforgettable, make us remember, allow us to be remembered for all the right things. It's based off uh, the scripture in First Thessalonians. <laughs> He says, we always thank God for you and um, for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your endurance inspired by love. Now you may have noticed these three things are the three things that remain. Maybe you caught on to that. Um, remember in 1 Corinthians 13? Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. But you also kind of, if you, kind of, if you jump through scripture a bit, you'll see that these things are quite connected. Hope, or faith, is having hope in things that are unseen. Love always hopes. So we've got this, these elements of ourselves that can't just be things that exist within us. They can't be just things that, that, that I have love. I have faith. I have hope. People don't look at you and say, that person has faith. A lot of times they say, that person works hard. A lot of times they won't say that person has love, but sometimes they'll say, that, that person will do anything for you. So faith looks, faith is as opposed to works, faith looks like works. Love is, isn't something that you just sort of washes over you and you think, oh, you know that. Maybe you've had that thought. I haven't, because I'm a man. <laughs> but you maybe like what love isn't the thing that sort of just washes over you and you feel and you go cross-eyed for a second. Love, love is exhausting. And hope isn't this thing where I've got, I've got to go to church and after looking at the brokenness of this world, looking at the brokenness of this life, and I've got to put on a smile. Because today is today. Yes, we hope. Yes, I thought I think we're going to get better. Here's, here's, here's an honest truth. Things might not get better. And if your hope is in things getting better, your hope is in something that's very fragile. But hope doesn't look like putting on a smile. Hope looks like I'm going to get up and today I'm going to do this day. I'm going to fill this day with faith and love. I'm going to fill this day with something good. I'm going to fill this day with, with something that is holy because I have hope. Hope looks like endurance. Hope looks like endurance. Like I, you, you may look at someone and you might not think they have a lot of hope. You think they just keep going. You know people like this. People who have been hit by this illness and this tragedy and this. And, and they just keep going. My, they might not keep going with this fake smile and say, well, yeah, 
everything's great. They may tell you everything is awful. Right now, today, everything is hard. But I'm going to keep going. Why? Now, there's several, there's a couple, several things that we can put our hope in that will do us damage. That won't allow us to endure. You can put your hope in that, and you'll hear it in the way we speak. That if I can just get that next job, if I can just get that next raise. If I can just have this thing work out the way I want it to, if I can just have this new relationship, if I can just get that girl, get that guy, everything will be okay. There's always a next, the next house, the next, the next position, the next. The next, the next, the next. If you, if you hope in things like that, you've confused the saying that we have. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, all of my hopes and dreams? It's okay to have dreams. It's okay to hope, uh, like, to want things to happen. But your hope should be built on nothing less than Christ crucified. Your hope should be built on nothing less than an empty tomb. When you build your hope, when you have a hope that's actually a dream, it will fail you. Your spouse will fail you. Maybe, maybe they just sent you on a run to get forks. <laughs> yeah, we're going, we're not going to live up to the standards. Single young people, this happens to you. This is going to happen to you. Um, you're going to think, oh, if I could just get that girl, if I could just get that guy. I want to assure you something right now. That person that you're thinking of when I say that is a crazy person. <laughs> We're all crazy people. And we all we all dress up nice and get the buttons straight and fix the collars and the, the sleeves. And we go out and we have the right things to say and we nod our head. We do all the things. That like we, we, we have these interactions and we're trying to have, we're all crazy people dressed up as normal people. And that person that you're interacting with is a normal person only in looks. And they will fail you eventually. You may marry them and have the best marriage in the world, they will fail you at some point. So your hope in them is not good for you. And actually, it's not very fair to them. They can't hold up under that hope. Your new job can't hold up under that sort of hope. Your new salary will not let you have the happiness that you 
the, the, the security that you need to overcome all the problems that are facing us, all the death and disease and disasters that are facing us, your new whatever will not help. The only hope we have is a resurrected king. Amen. The only hope we have is that we, we are going to die. But Jesus didn't just come to redeem us from our sins. He came and he conquered death. Jesus didn't come, we say this way too much here, but I think it needs to be pounded in. Jesus did not come to conquer cancer. Jesus did not come to conquer diabetes or heart disease or poverty. He came to conquer death. And in doing so, he will make all things new. And it will change everything into something that is beautiful and on the other side. Death. One, of, one of my favorite writers um, often says, it's not about life after death, it's about life after life after death. It's about resurrection. We too have a hope that death has lost its sting. So Christians, while we may be sad, while we may be hurting, while we may be, we may be um, frustrated and, and, and lonely, Death will not be the end of us. Death will not have the final word. Paul actually talks about this in this letter. In verse, later on chapter 4, verse 13, he says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Now listen, this doesn't mean you don't grieve. That's, that's a, a, a misunderstanding of that passage. We grieve. Your bodies are just built to grieve. Chemically, if you lose someone, if you, there's a lot of situations in which you'll grieve. And you will go through denial. You will go through bargaining. You'll go through anger. You'll go through depression. You'll go through acceptance. Like you'll go through the five stages of grief. Everyone does if you grieve healthy. In a healthy way. One of the things Christians do that are extre is extremely unhealthy is we try not to grieve. We say, well, you know, they're in a better place and I shouldn't be sad. Yes, you should be sad. Death is awful. Losing someone is awful. You should be sad. But he says, do not grieve like others grieve because they don't have hope. You have hope. God can take dust and turn it into something beautiful. You have hope that God can take death and turn it into life. That God, God can make the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and us run together in new life. We will be new. We will overcome. He says, Don't, do not grieve like those who have no hope. Then he says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. If we believe that Jesus is alive, then we, will, we also believe that that resurrection means something for me. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, it wasn't just a singular trick that he pulled off. It meant something for all of creation. And that we see 
lives from this 30,000 foot view and we say, yes, we will die. We, we may suffer, but we won't stay there. Death is not the end for me. Just like it wasn't the end for Jesus. And we have a hope in that. This, this, this hope that, yes, this awful. Now, one of the beautiful things about, about this hope is that we actually get to name the things that are awful. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to pretend that we're happy all the time. It's just very comforting to not have to be happy all the time. It's very, it's very relaxing to know that I don't have to have the best life, best marriage all the time. Church feels like that sometimes. Church feels like church feels like we, you know, we use this example all the time. But you can you can drive. I mean, a lot of people drive thirty minutes to come to church here. That's a lot of time for devil for the devil to get y'all in an argument. Man, arguments on the way to church are the best. <laughs> can't even believe you said that well when I said it I can't believe how you reacted but it's just this cycle and it's building up and there's this rage and you walk in the door and how are y'all? we're great <laughs> smiling for gritted teeth should be the t-shirt of most Christians we have this. We have this sense of I got to pretend. But once we have, once we name the hope, and we say Jesus is alive, He's resurrected, we are confident that that hope should allow us to endure. That I can get through anything, and He can get through death. If I believe that, then there's moments in my life that I can name the pain. And my marriage is suffering. My, my spiritual, my relationship with God hasn't, haven't, that hasn't happened in a while. Weak. I'm exhausted. I can say those things out loud and no one says, well, that's not how it should be. And all of us, all of us link arms at that moment and say, that's exactly how it is. But we have hope. What happens on church on Sunday mornings is this beautiful thing where all these broken people come together as a group. People who are sad, who are suffering, who are hurting. What's crazy about churches is actually like there's times where the people who hurt the other people are all, we're all here together. And we all together say, this isn't, this isn't how it should be. This isn't how it's going to be. Because of the God who loved us so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That we will find our hopes to be stronger than our pain. So don't leave here and think that your dreams 
are going to sustain you. You dream you're great. Dream, yes. But it's the hope that we have in Jesus that allows us to endure. Notice, I'm not saying it's the hope that we have in Jesus and, and it's, you know, because Jesus makes everything better. No, sometimes Jesus makes things harder. Loving your enemy makes life harder. Praying for those who persecute you makes life harder. Giving, selling all you have and giving it to the poor and then following Jesus makes life harder. Things Jesus asks people to do, it's not an easier thing. Things aren't going to just be okay. You're not going to be free of illness. You're not going to be free of disaster. You're not going to be free of broken relationships because you follow Jesus. But you will conquer death. You will die. That will happen. And so through all of that other mess, I will endure and so will you. Because the hope that is found in, in the Messiah, the King, Jesus of Nazareth, the hope we found find in Jesus is bigger than just overcoming illness. It's overcoming death. That can, cha that can change your life. A lot of things that Christians do make us memorable, not in very notable ways. People aren't going to say, oh, well, yes, they have a hope that endures. They're just going to say, there's something about them. There's something about that person. That hope and faith and love being woven together in a cord that is unbreakable. A life that is memorable. A life that is impactful. It changes you, and it can change your children, change your grandchildren, change whole lives. But we must recenter our hope. We must wake up every day and say, I am not my hope. My hopes aren't my dreams. My dreams have their own category and there. I mean, dream, dream away. My hope, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. My hope is built on nothing less than the empty tomb. My hope is built on nothing less than the king who conquered death, occupied the throne, Rules my life. I would argue that, if, uh, that the number one reason you should come and follow Jesus is that in Jesus we find a hope that overcomes death. You say, Benjamin, what about forgiveness of sins? Yes, yes, we get the, we, we sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. On the cross. Sometimes it feels like we, we get Jesus out of the cross and we out of the tomb and we put him right back on the cross. We say, Well, that's really important. But he that that's really, and that is that is really important. But he walked out of the tomb. We even sing a song, at least teenagers sing a song, and I still, still say we when I'm talking about teenagers. 
Oh dear, I just did the math in my head. I'm a teenager away from being a teenager. That, that made sense to me. I don't care whether really. it made sense to you. But, you know, teenagers sing a song that he came, he came from heaven to earth to show us the way from the earth to the cross. Our death pay the cross, the grave, to the grave, the sky. I always think, you missed a step! You missed a really important... He didn't just go from the grave to the sky. He went from the grave up to a boat and to Thomas's house. And he went all over the place. He walked around. He's a resurrected human being. But that, that doesn't... I, I've tried to work that into the song. It doesn't work. There's not hand motions for it. I don't... That was just for the teenagers. But then we, we sometimes we get so caught up in the cross and we say the, the cross, he forgave our sins, he forgave our sins. But he walked out of the grave to conquer death. Death has lost its victory. Death has lost its sting. And that is a hope worth enduring for. It's actually the only thing I found this worth. People will fail you, jobs will fail you, marriages will be hard. Tomb is still empty. If you're willing to go on that journey with us, that journey that says the tomb is empty, I will live like it is empty. If you're willing to trust that Jesus walked out of the grave, then you're willing to follow Jesus today. And that some of you may have thought, well, I'm not. Today's not the day. Please come forward while we stand. <laughs> 